The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Hope inspiring insights from a doctor's personal journey through depression. But we buy into the lies. When I was going through depression, I felt such shame because I was the doctor. I was supposed to have all the answers and yet I went through it. So I thought I'm a fraud. And then I thought, well, I must be joy immune. And I'm always going to be this way because my mother was always that Joy way. immune? That's an joy interesting phrase. Wow. <laughs> but I bought it. Hmm. I believed it. Dr. Michelle Bankson, next. Excited to be here. James and Betty have worked incredibly hard over the last few weeks and months, um, very passionately caring about our nation. And so we said to them, you know what, guys, you need a night off. You need to stay home and put your feet up. So, and I was particularly thrilled when I realized that this guest would be available. Her name is Dr. Michelle Bengston, and her book is called Hope Prevails. And here's why it fascinated me insights from a doctor's personal journey through depression. Would you please welcome our guest? This is, um, every now and again, I mean, I get the opportunity to read a lot, we both do, and I love that. But every now and again, I get a chance, a book comes across my path that I think, there's possibility of this book really shifting my life, really changing my life. You know, I was diagnosed with severe clinical depression probably 30 years ago. I was hospitalized for a month. And so when I, when I saw the beautiful combination of you as a doctor, but as a fellow struggler, I was fascinated. Would you give us a little backstory to how you came to write this? Well, nobody wants to write a book on depression. Nobody wants that to be their mission field. But I believe that God gives beauty for ashes. And part of that is in sharing my story. I am a doctor and I've treated patients for 25 years who've gone through depression. But then when I came down with it myself and I tried the same recommendations that I'd given to my patients and they helped, but they were insufficient, mm. that's when my world really shifted. So when you say you, what would you normally have recommended for somebody who was struggling with depression? Well, first line of, of treatment typically is therapy and or medication. And I did both but it's also taking care of your temple. So looking at your sleep habits and your diet and your exercise. And I tried all those things and they did help, mm -hmm. but they weren't enough to eradicate the problem. What, what was missing? Addressing the spiritual component of disease. Mm. Lo really looking at the fact that John 10, 10 says we have an enemy who seeks to steal, kill and destroy. Mm -hmm. But the second half of that verse is that, but I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. And when I was depressed, I had anything but the full life. Mm. And the enemy had stolen so much from my family. I grew up in a household where my mother was depressed the whole time that I was growing up and her mother was depressed and her aunt was depressed. But we didn't call it that back then. I, it was just the way she was. Right. How, so, pro how prominent is this? I mean, I know both of you have struggled with this, but it's not something that I've, I've dealt with, thankfully. Is this fairly common? Oh, it's so common that by 2020, it's going to be our greatest epidemic worldwide. Hmm. Greater than heart disease, greater than cancer, greater than diabetes, all put together. From your perspective as a doctor, but not just as a doctor, as a believer, 
Why do you think the statistics increase, our, you know, why do you think it's getting more and more and more? Uh, part of it is because I think we're buying into society, culture. Part of it is we're looking at each other and comparing ourselves. That's one of the biggest traps that the enemy has is if he will get us to take our eyes off the Father and onto everybody else and compare ourselves. Comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. So, so when we do that, we lose our joy. But we buy into the lies. There's so many lies that are perpetuated in our head from the enemy. When I was going through depression, I felt such shame because I was the doctor. I was supposed to have all the answers, and yet I went through it. So I thought, I'm a fraud. And then I thought, well, I must be joy immune, and I'm always going to be this way because my mother was always that Joy way. immune? That's an joy interesting immune. phrase. Wow. <laughs> but I bought it. Hmm. I believed it. Hmm. Instead of believing what Scripture says, that I am more than an overcomer, I am victorious in Christ Jesus, I am an heir to the throne. It was only when I started transplanting those lies with God's truth that the difference came about. So walk us through that a little bit because I... You know, I, I'm imagining someone sitting at home and maybe they've been on medication for a while and they, and they would long to be free, but they think, well, okay, I'll just read a couple of verses and I'll stop taking my medication. What would you say to them? Oh, but it's not just reading the verses, it's believing them. You know, faith comes by hearing. And so for me, it was a matter of, I would write down the scripture verses. By the, I, this came about when I went through a life-threatening illness and I was sick and I was unable to work. And so I thought, what good am I? Instead of recognizing that my, my worth doesn't come from what I do, but whose I am. And so I would write down scripture on a post-it note and put it next to my bed so that when I would see it, I would say it out loud because faith comes by hearing. And then I would write down the next scripture and the next. And by the end, I had over 100 scriptures plastered on my wall so that every time I saw them, I was reciting what the Father says about me instead of believing what the enemy says about me. You know what's fascinating about that is I've been studying Ephesians 6, you know, about the whole the spiritual armor. And when it came to taking up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, when you actually look at the Greek there, um, the word for sword is actually a dagger. It's talking about personal hand-to-hand -hand combat. And for the Word of God, it doesn't mean the whole Bible. It's actually talking about promises in the Bible. So it's almost like our great defense is knowing these specific promises to attack when, when the enemy comes against us. Absolutely, absolutely. Right down to the promise that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I use that one every day. And let me ask a couple of questions here. First of all, what, what kind of a doctor are you? I don't, I don't want to guess. And get I'm around. a clinical neuropsychologist. Clinical, okay. So uh, I evaluate patients to okay. see what might be going wrong in their brain functioning and arrive at a diagnosis and then give a treatment plan. Okay, so it, if I understand depression correctly, which is a bit of a presumption, um, there, there's a, is there a difference between just, you know, hey, I've been comparing myself to others and so I don't feel so good about myself versus something that is physiologically going on in the brain, a shortage of certain things in the body, chemicals or whatever, that, that cause a depression that one can't get out of on their own. Is, is there, how do you know what you got? <laughs> well, first of all, you don't decide. You go see a doctor. Okay. You know, don't leave self-diagnosis. Don't get the woman out of a job. <laughs> 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 no, but there, there are several, you bring up a good point, Randy, and that is that there are several different types of contributors to depression. Mm -hmm. Some of times, it's biochemical. Mm -hmm. There is chemistry in the brain that can cause depression, but some of the times, it's reactive from a medical condition. For example, you could have a thyroid disorder yeah. or a vitamin deficiency, sure. and that contributes. Sure. Wow. Some of the time, it comes because of the life stresses that we go through. We go through difficult situations, and that leads and contributes to depression. 
but almost all the time there's a spiritual component as well. Mm -hmm. And that's the part that I don't think doctors are really addressing. I didn't with my own patients until I went through it myself. Oh, really? And once I went through it myself and I realized the power, that's when things started to change. So let, let, let me just ask you to kind of unpack that further. Um, where do you begin? Like when you began to think, okay, I tried the medication, I've tried to eat better, I've tried to sleep, I've tried to exercise, and it's still not enough. How did you begin? And when did you begin to see a difference in your life? It was when a dear friend sent me a verse out of Isaiah. I was going in for surgery the next day and I was really hopeless. I thought, you know, this is my life. Like, if this is my life, I don't want this. Mm -hmm. And she sent me a scripture verse. But, you know, Sheila, a lot of people will give you scripture verses when, when you're going in for surgery or when you're depressed and just say, you know, your strength is in the Lord. And that to me felt like a slap in the face. Mm. Yeah. That told me you don't understand. And so, but this one friend gave me a scripture verse out of Isaiah about he makes the crooked path straight and he makes the rough plain. And that was a verse that I thought, I need to cling to that. I need to hold on to that. But I also knew her heart. And I knew that her heart was for me and she wasn't just slapping a bandaid on it. But that was the beginning. I thought that's a verse I need to cling to. And then he would give me other verses. Sometimes it would be in song. In my book, I have a playlist of music at the end of each chapter and that's part of the reason. Because there were times when I couldn't verbally praise. Yeah. I just wasn't there, I was too yeah. depressed. But I could in song. Wow. And the enemy will flee. Yeah, I love that because if you think about it, his original name was Lucifer. He was head of the cherubim. He was the number one um, worship angel. I mean, one theologian said he was literally a walking orchestra. But when we begin to praise, and I do the same thing. I have a worship playlist. I played it in my car on the way here. Um, but I think, how long did it take you to come to a place of saying, okay, um, I know how to do this battle and maybe I don't need this medication? It took probably nine months because it's a long process. It doesn't happen overnight. It is a matter of renewing your mind. It is a matter of taking every thought captive and bringing it into obedience of Christ Jesus. How do you Jesus. do that? Because I've known that verse since I was like five years old, taking every thought captive. And it's, it's like, how do you do that? It's a matter of when, when you're in the moment and you're feeling that way, Asking yourself, what am I? What am I listening to? What am I believing? And then asking the Lord, is this from you? And if it's not, then then what is the counter to that? Instead of hearing, I am worthless, He says, I am worthy. But it's a matter of really listening to your thoughts and figuring out where are these thoughts coming from, because if they don't line up with Scripture, then they're coming from another place. But there's Scripture to do battle. Because Christ says there is now, well, Romans 8, 1, there is now therefore no condemnation, condemnation. to those yes. in Christ. So any condemnation has not come from the That's Father. Right. He That's brings right. conviction, which brings you closer to the Lord, That's right. but not condemnation. But it's hard work. And yeah. when you asked how long it takes, it, it is hard work. The, you know, one of my favorite passages in the Bible is where Jesus is talking to the layman at the pool of Bethesda. And he says, do you want to get well? Well, part of the reason he asked that is because it's work. Wow. He had to do work. Once he was no longer lame, he had to get a job. He had to, he had to get a new identity. <laughs> that could be depressing. <laughs> so what, what, do you promise, what do you think sort of the other side of depression is? What, what's, what's in it for me if I say I'm going to do the work other than getting off some meds? Does it really improve? I mean, you, oh, you should know. It I mean, brings joy. Yeah? It brings joy. So joy. you're not joy immune. 
No, I'm not. But it was a lie I believed, but I'm not. Do you feel that's something that you have been able to say, okay, this stops with me? You know, if you talked about your mom and you talked about your yeah. grandmother and suddenly saying, I'm not passing this And that was on. part of the reason I decided it was worth doing the work because I wanted it to stop in my generation. I have two sons. Satan is not going to take anything from my children. It stops here. Yeah, I love that. I think that's fantastic. You know, it's so interesting. Yeah, I, I, I mean, if, it, if it's, it's bigger than I think I realized, mm -hmm. um, I, I'm just curious because you have spoken to a lot of women over the years and you still continue to go out and speak even as you're ministering with us here. Do you find that this comes up? You know what's really interesting? Um, just um, a couple of weeks ago, I was speaking at a very large women's conference. Uh, it was wonderful. Um, with, and two or three other friends were there. and. I, have n I did something at the end of my message which I have never done in my life. And it was funny because when I got in the car that morning, I felt, I mean, I've never heard the audible voice of God, but I felt as if God said, um, I have a new assignment for you. Mm. And I said, yes, Lord. And I didn't know until I was 35 minutes into my message what it was. And so I looked out at this crowd of like 8,000 women and said, if any of you have ever contemplated suicide or if you are a cutter, or if you're plagued with thoughts of death, I want you to come and join me at the front because I've been plagued with that all my life. At 18 years old, I stood on the top of a railway bridge and all I could hear was the thought of just jump, jump. And my husband told me later, he said, when you started doing that, I'm like, he thought, she's lost her marbles. We knew it was coming, but it's, I mean, nobody's gonna come forward. Do you know that over 500 women Goodness. came to the front, five, from 15 to 75? And I thought, Lord, there's something that needs to shift here. Well, by 2020, it's gonna be our greatest epidemic worldwide. So if someone has not gone through it themselves, they have a family member or a friend yeah. who is going through it right now. Yeah. How do you spot it? Is it, is, is it something you can spot early in, in a loved one well, and, and intervene? So, and sometimes it's the family member who spots it first before we do. Yeah. You know, but I, I think what's so important to keep in mind is that it doesn't manifest the same with everybody. Mm -hmm. For some, it comes across as irritability and agitation and frustration. Others are weeping and they can't get out of bed. Mm -hmm. So it's different for everybody. But sometimes it is the friend or family member that spots it first. And they can be crucial in helping them get help. Because when you're so depressed that you're down in that pit, right. sometimes you yeah. need someone to reach yeah. down a hand and sure. pull you up. You know, but I think of that scripture where it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And sometimes it's easy to learn scripture verses and not think, well, what does that look like in my daily life? Mm -hmm. And I, th I love the fact that you started copying out verses and, and just pasting them everywhere. It's kind of like your own little war room. You know, it, like was. Priscilla it, was, thing. it was all up against my walls. It was down my, my doors. Mm -hmm. It was on my mirrors. It was on my dashboard. It was everywhere. Wow. But it makes a difference. Yeah. Does, if one person is, struggles with depression within the family, does it affect the whole family unit? It does. Not that everyone in the family unit will experience it themselves, but they're in that milieu, and so it is going to affect. And it's, it can be difficult because sometimes those family members just want to shake you and say, you know, pull up your bootstraps. Right. It's not that easy. Mm -hmm. right. Nobody wants to be depressed. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to live this way. And what they need is love and understanding. You talk about um, this is really like a roadmap that you've provided in this book, which is one of the things I like. Um, it's very practical. And at the end of each chapter, I mean, you really do give very practical steps. So I, um, 
we're going to give you an opportunity and a few moments to to get hold of um, Dr. Bengtsson's book and, and get it to you. But I, I think for somebody watching right now who thinks, I want to believe this. I mean, your title is Hope mm -hmm. Prevails. I want to believe this, but I don't know where to start. What would you say to them? Pick up the Bible, open it up to Jeremiah 29, 11, that says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans for a future and a hope, and write that down and recite it three times a day out loud until you believe it. Yeah, there's something about, I, I do that as a daily practice. I mean, I, I, I daily, I mean, when I get up first thing in the morning, before I do anything else, Psalm 143, verse eight, let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, because I've placed my trust in you. Show me the way I should go for to you and trust my life. And the thing I love about that is, let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. I'll fail, but God will, mm. will never fail. You're facing a bit of a difficult situation, though, in your own family. We are. Your darling husband my, is on my husband and I's prayer list. Thank you. Um, would you just share a little of how we, as a family, can pray for you guys? Yeah, absolutely. Interesting how the enemy works, because the day that Hope Prevails released was the day my husband was diagnosed with cancer. Mm -hmm. And so we're, we're walking through this together, and it, it is a daily choice. And he and I together say, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. It is God's, not is God's will that you would be in ill health, mm. but that you would be healthy and prosper even as your soul prospers. So we would appreciate prayers mm -hmm. that we would see that healing. Can, Can I right just now? ask, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's, just, let's just do this. I'm going to ask our studio audience, and those of you at home, what's your husband's name? Scott. Okay. Father, what an honor it is to know that at any moment, because of the finished work of Christ, we can come into the very throne room of heaven. And Lord, we do that right now as a family, and we lift Scott up to you. Lord, I ask that you would touch him from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. You created him, you can recreate him. Lord, we ask that for every cell, you would breathe life and hope and healing. I thank you so much for Michelle. I thank you for the way that you have delivered her and the way that she's sharing that with us. But I ask that you would put a hedge of protection around this family as they boldly stand and yet kneel at the same time at the foot of the cross. Yep. And Lord, I want to ask that all those that are watching, that have been watching this thinking, is there hope for me? Yeah. Yeah. Touch their hearts right now and yes. let them know that yes, there is hope and that you are their hope yes. and you are just waiting to intervene. So Lord, just your will be done in the lives of everyone watching, everyone here, and we thank you for Michelle's witness, her work, and, and the hope that she is spreading as she continues, even in, in some dark seasons in her life. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, and we're going to look forward to giving you that. Um, but I want to show you the difference that you've made already, um, how you're bringing hope mm -hmm. to places that look a little hopeless. Yeah, and you know, Sheila, it's, it's by doing something counterintuitive. It's by changing the thought process behind something, a situation in the world that, that we're looking at. So I, I, I want to point out the contrast you're going to see here in, in sort of the, the attitudes that we've heard a little bit here, um, certainly we've seen in, in the world, versus the attitude that we think is, is God's idea of things. Because uh, as we've been discussing here, it's, it's about sometimes getting the mind of Christ in our own minds to be able to find that solution. So I just want to set that up just a bit as we watch this.
let me just talk about this just a little bit. There's a lot of signs of malnutrition in this child. And um, that's the good thing about this, that good regular feedings with this will change that for her. Otherwise, if she keeps going the way she's going, she'll be heading toward the malnutrition clinic. And we are here to stop that. This is the face of a life who's been saved. The face of someone who now has the opportunity to reach her God-given potential. And she has some of you to thank for that. This is difficult to accept, but there are some who advocate an approach of non-intervention when it comes to child hunger and malnutrition. To let nature take its course. Simply let them die. At Life Outreach, we believe compassion for these children is the right choice. Together, we've been able to prevent the deaths of millions of children by helping provide basic needs essential to human life. But our work is far from over. When you make the decision to support Mission Feeding, you literally help save lives from the ravages of malnutrition. And you also send these children a message that they matter. They're not forgotten. And they have a future. I don't know about you, but something just rose up in me when I heard that people would say, let nature take its course. I say, no, let the love of Christ take its course through the body of Christ. Yeah. We are there to make a difference in this world. Absolutely, I, I am glad God doesn't take a, an attitude of non-intervention in my life because I would be in serious trouble. And that's why we don't take an attitude of non-intervention. We think this is not just something that's kind of cool or fun to do and, and maybe noble. We think this is the calling of Christ on our lives as Christians to reach out and to share his life, literally, his love with others around the world. And what's more obvious than people that need food? You know, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. We take that as a nice spiritual thing, and it is. Don't, don't get me wrong. But for them, it's, it's literal. They literally don't have anything to eat. And so the question is, what will we do? Well, we've made our decision. So now the question is put to you, what will you do? And we're asking you to join us. It, it doesn't take much, a, a little bit of a sacrifice, 30, 50, $100 on the lower end. We'll feed three, five, 10 children for three whole months. Um, we do have some, some of our faithful donors who have come together and said, we will double that gift and impact. So they'll match your gift. So giving today makes twice as much sense as, as any other day. But it's, it's really about doing something. It's about participating. It's about all of us doing what we can because there's some of you that, that you know, the widow's might is, is everything and, and God knows that, we know that and, and we rejoice in that ability. For some of you, you know, the school sponsorship of $1,400 where we feed children in the schools, which is a great way to not just give them food, but to teach them a skill so that they can be self-sufficient because we're, we're thinking long-term here. Some of you, $1,400 is nothing. Some of you can double that, triple that. I mean, do what God has enabled you to do. I can promise you he'll, he'll, he'll bless you for sharing his life and his love with others. You can't go wrong. 
So as we approach Christmas, and we're thinking about our own needs, uh, I, I know it's a busy time in our lives, I just ask you to take this moment to think about someone else. Join with us. Go to the phone right now. Go online if that's how you give. That's how I like to give. Uh, you can mail it if, if you're more comfortable doing that. I just want you to do something right now to join with us as we reach out and save the lives of children across Africa. And we also share the gospel of Christ in our actions as we share mission feeding. In remote and impoverished villages of Africa, children are suffering, desperately in need of life-saving food, facing death by starvation. Life's Mission Feeding Program is there, ready now to feed and care for children in crisis areas of Angola, Mozambique, and Sudan. With all of our previous reserves gone and Angola facing a record food shortage due to crop failure, we need to immediately replenish our funding and supplies for our feeding programs. As an answered prayer, a group of Life's friends have set a $400,000 matching gift challenge for mission feeding. This means your gift today can have a double impact. $30 for three children will be double to help feed six children. $50 to help feed five children will be double to save 10 children. And $100 for 10 children will be double to help feed 20 children. And don't forget, your $1,400 gift to sponsor a school will now be double to feed children in two schools. With your gift of any amount, we'll send you Without Rival by author Lisa Bevere. With your double impact gift of $100 or more, please request the complete illustrated children's Bible. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,000, which will now be double to help feed 200 children. And you may request our beautiful majesty bronze sculpture. Please call, write, or make your gift online today. You know, Betty, you look at this long line, and boy, it goes all the way back to the big four-wheel drive truck. You started praying years ago that God would make the line to feed the children longer than the line to be fed. I think God's answered your prayer. He is, James, but at the same time, the line gets longer. And so we need to help our line to reach them continue to grow and you to re reach out more because I know you're blessed as you see these children being fed here. Let's don't let it stop. Let's keep soup in the barrel so they can come and line up and get fed. Thank you so much. We do not need one more ugly sweater for Christmas. You can change the lives of children around the world. And for any gift you send in at all, I would love to send you Hope Prevails. Um, would you please thank my guests? Thank you so much, Michelle, for being with us. It was awesome. Absolutely fantastic. Thank you for being with us. Join us again tomorrow for more Life Today.
Sheila Walsh, tomorrow. The doctor had said, it's my recommendation that you terminate this pregnancy tomorrow. And I'd said to her, absolutely not. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.